Heavenly Father, we pray that as we look at your word this afternoon, that you would help us to hear, to have ears to hear what you are saying. Help me speak, to speak faithfully. We pray, Father, that from what we read, what we hear, that we would go and be those who bear good fruit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, those who have ears to hear. It's kind of one of those famous phrases, as Andy said, those phrases that we use. The, we use variations of that phrase in everyday life, don't we? Let the reader understand. Well, you know, if you know, you know. What does it mean? Well, it's that we allude to some hidden truth that those in the know know about. Kind of like a private joke. You say the joke and those who get it laugh. So how does that link with Jesus' teaching in this section of Matthew? Those who have ears, let them hear. Well, as we begin this section, as we begin this series in Matthew, the section that we're going to look at, Jesus is, starts to teach more consistently in parables. Now, parables are an interesting thing. They're seemingly simple to understand and stories, aren't they? Simple and easy to understand. I think most of us would be happy, you know, the kids were learning from parables and rather they spend time in the parables rather than some tricky Old Testament passage. But as Jesus teaches the crowds in our section, in parables, he asks those who have ears to hear, those who have ears to listen. What does it mean to have ears to hear in Matthew? If the parables are so easy to understand, then why does Jesus need to instruct people to hear them? To ask people, do you really hear what I'm saying? Are you listening? Are the parables really the easy bits? As we dig into this section in Matthew, that's filled with loads of parables, they don't actually seem to be the easy bits, which is strange. Matthew will tell us in chapter 13, later in chapter 13, that this will be Jesus' exclusive method of teaching for the crowds. Chapter 13, verse 34. This teaching, these parables, understood by those who have ears to hear. Are the crowds listening? And so as we spend time, are we listening? As we spend time in Matthew looking at Jesus' parables, we need to be asking that question as well. Are we listening to Jesus? So to begin our time in this next section of Matthew, a section filled with parables, Let's first understand why Jesus chooses to teach in parables. Why does he teach in parables? Well, firstly, what is a parable? The basic description that I've, you know, when I was teaching scripture last uh, year for a term, they had this definition that I was instructed in, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Perhaps you've heard that definition. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That is, it's a simple story based on everyday events but it reveals spiritual truths. A simple story which describes a truth, a spiritual truth, which is kind of like the description of an illustration, isn't it? It's kind of a story that helps to illustrate a truth. Or, you know, there's those folk tales which tell a story to teach a moral. The boy who cried wolf, you know, don't tell lies or you and your village will get eaten by wolves. I think that's the moral there. Are the parables similar to stories like the boy who cried wolf? Well, in our passage, Jesus tells us the crowd this parable about the sower, the story about a farmer and the results of his throwing out the seed. 
The seed lands in four different spots and yields four different results. Only one achieves the sower's aim and bears fruit. That's the story, isn't it? And he tells the story to the crowd. And then notice, have a look at verse 10. He gives his explanation to the disciples who are presumably with him in the boat. The disciples ask him why he teaches in parables and Jesus gives them this explanation in private. An important detail to notice. Throughout our section, Jesus will give explanations here and there, but only ever to his disciples and only ever in private. Which makes sense when we consider why Jesus teaches in parables. And seeing how Jesus answers them about why he's teaching in parables, I don't think the parables are like illustrations or like folktales. Have a look there from verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see but did not see it and hear what you hear but did not hear it. The answer about why Jesus is teaching parables is not what we expect, is it? The parables are not about making things easier to understand. Rather, they're there to make things harder to understand. The parables are revealing spiritual truths. They're earthly stories that reveal spiritual truths But in verse 11, Jesus says that these are secret spiritual truths about the kingdom. Jesus' teaching is not to be understood by everybody, but only a select few, like the private joke or a code word that people use that alerts those in the know about what they're to do. And the explanation of the parable, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom is only given to some to those Jesus chooses to reveal it to in the boat with him, to those with ears to hear. So why is that? Why is Jesus being deliberately obscure? Well, he explains with these quotes from the Old Testament, a quote from Psalm 78 and Isaiah 6. And in both these passages, God says scathing things to his people. He speaks about how he will talk with them in a way that they will not understand because of their sin. In the psalm, the teaching comes in this hidden form of a parable because previous generations of Israel did not believe in God. They kept on sinning despite seeing all the great signs and wonders that he performed for them. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, when we consider what's going on in Jesus' time. And Isaiah, the prophet, is sent with a message of judgment for God's people, for the sinful people of Judah. God tells Isaiah in advance that because of their sinfulness, because of their hard hearts, they will not listen to Isaiah and God's message. 
And so the message becomes a message of judgement for their sinful disobedience. The parables are there to confuse and obscure the kingdom message, particularly for these crowds, for God's people, for the Jews, who are ignoring and disobeying him because of their hard-heartedness. They are those without ears to hear. They have shut their ears and eyes. And their ears and eyes are closed because of their hard hearts, hard hearts towards God. In the context of Jesus' time, this is Israel. These are the crowds. And they've closed their eyes to who Jesus is. And so Jesus' teaching in parables will not be understood because his audience are hard-hearted. And their lack of understanding about the parables, well, it just underlines the fact that they are ignoring and going against God. The crowds are those who should get it. They're Israel, they're God's people. Yet they fail to understand and so remain ignorant of the kingdom. The parables therefore act as a form of judgment against them for their sinfulness. The parables are not illustrations. They're not there to make things easier to understand. Rather, they're like a test to distinguish who has ears to hear, who will understand, who will not. It's the way that God separates those who are part of his kingdom people and those who are not. And as the parables get it taught, the kingdom people are not who we'd expect them to be. It's not going to be the people of Israel, the crowds. It's not a new idea. Flip back a chapter, chapter 11, verse 25. At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, learned, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. God is choosing his kingdom people, choosing who to reveal himself to, choosing those who will understand the parables, And so we'll understand these secret truths, these secret spiritual truths about the kingdom, choosing those who have ears to hear. And the other side of that coin, the parables reveal those who are outside the kingdom, those who don't understand, who don't have ears to hear, which is the crowds. And so the parables are different to illustrations and folktales, they're not meant to be straightforward. Folk tales like the story of the boy who cried wolf are meant to teach moral truths in a simple way. But the parables are secrets of the kingdom that cannot be understood unless God reveals it to you. This is why Jesus calls his disciples blessed in verse 16. God has given them understanding that others will not get. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And so the parables have this dual purpose. They obscure the truth from the crowds of Israel who've turned from God, who have hard hearts. It confirms that they're on the outside of God's kingdom, a judgment for those crowds of Israel. And then they reveal the truth of the kingdom for those to whom God's chosen to reveal it. 
those who have been given ears to hear, those who are being welcomed into the kingdom. Parables are a bit less straightforward than we think. So then what's going on with this parable of the soils that Jesus then explains? The explanation comes in verse 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. For those who have ears to hear, the message is pretty simple. The four soils correspond to four different responses to the message of the kingdom, the gospel message that Jesus is preaching. There are four responses which in the end kind of boil down to just two responses. Those who hear and those who do not. Those who bear fruit and those who do not. And so why does Jesus teach this parable? And why is that at the start of this section with Jesus giving his disciples the explanation? Well, in this parable, Jesus is explaining the response to his ministry, to his disciples. This is the parable which explains what will happen with Jesus' ministry of teaching parables. It's kind of like a meta-parable. The gospel message will be preached to everyone, but it will produce different responses. Not all will respond rightly. And this parable shows it's not because of the message, the seed remains the same, doesn't it? Even if it is in parable, but it's because of the people. It's hardness of heart. That's the reason that people won't respond rightly. Whether that be an immediate rejection, like the hard soil, we kind of see that in the Pharisees, don't we? Immediately opposed to Jesus. Or maybe it's an initial positive move and then an abandonment of Jesus when things get hard. A withering in the sun, like the crowds who will abandon him when he's arrested. Or being tempted away from bearing fruit for the gospel um, by the enticing things of the world, choked out by the weeds. The rich young ruler who won't give away his possessions in order to follow Jesus. Jesus is explaining to his disciples that the crowds he will preach to will include those who have hard hearts. They're the people of God who do not believe him though they have seen the signs. They are Israel who do not honour God in their hearts and lives and so will not listen to God's Son. And so the parables are kind of a perfect medium to highlight this, the crowd's failure to see who Jesus is and so fail to respond rightly. But Jesus is also telling his disciples that some will respond rightly. God will reveal the kingdom's secrets to those that he's bringing into the kingdom. The disciples... And as, the, as this, you know, Matthew continues, as the gospel unfolds, others, sometimes unexpected others, 
will understand and respond rightly. He will hear the gospel and turn to Jesus. As Jesus describes the good soil, there are those who do not just hear, but hear, understand and bear kingdom fruit. This is why Jesus tells the crowds, with those with ears, let them hear. Make sure that you're listening. And later he tells his disciples in verse 18, listen. Make sure you are listening. And so this is the purpose of the parable in Jesus' day. But what does it mean for us? Are the parables still obscure? What's the understanding of these parables for us today? Well, as we come to understand Jesus' purpose with the parables for us, we've got to first understand that we're not the original hearers of these parables. The original audience is that Jewish crowd. The crowd who saw his signs. The, the crowd who had the history, their history of God working in their midst and yet did not see their Messiah when he stood right in front of them because of the hard, their hardness of heart towards the God of their ancestors. And so the parables and their inability to understand are there to judge them, this particular generation, revealing that they're not kingdom people. The generation that Jesus called calls this wicked generation. And this is a theme that runs through Matthew, that the crowds there, those who should get who Jesus is, don't. But we are not that crowd And so the parables do not come to us with that same particular edge of judgment that came to the Jewish crowds, that wicked generation. And we can see the difference because we have the explanations, don't we? Where they didn't. And so what's the point of the parable for us? Well, one aspect remains true, though we are not that particular generation of Israel, and that is not all will respond rightly to God and the gospel. And it's not because of the gospel message, but because of our hardness of hearts. The default of our hearts is to be hard towards God and not listening to him. We were reminded of that truth a couple of weeks ago as we looked at Psalm 53. There are none who seek God, all turn from him. Or in the language of our passage, no none have ears to hear, because our hearts are hard. We all harden our hearts against God like this wicked generation. Our default is to ignore him. So we cannot understand the secret knowledge of the kingdom by ourselves. We cannot join the kingdom off our own back. And Paul explains that in 1 Corinthians. This is this way that God works in a sort of selecting who he calls is the way he works. The gospel is still obscure to our world because we see it as weak and foolish. This is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians Um, This is God's intention. But the good news is that God reveals these spiritual secrets to those he chooses, those who are blessed with ears to hear. 1 Corinthians 2. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. God works in the same way, revealing spiritual truths to those he's chosen. 
And so though our default spiritual state is the same as the crowds, the good news of the kingdom is that we don't need to stay as that soil. While we can't change the type of soil we are, God can and God does by opening our eyes and our ears, softening our hearts, revealing the truth of the gospel to us through his spirit. The sower can change the soil. Add some soil conditioner, as someone um, described it. We need God to change us so that we might be good soil. So we pray that God would give us ears to hear and so understand the gospel truth and respond rightly. And those who do hear, well, we are blessed like the disciples. If you understand the gospel, give thanks. You are blessed because God has opened your eyes, opened your ears to hear. And if you don't yet get this gospel thing, ask God to reveal it to you. For those who are seeking to listen to Jesus, the parable teaches us from two perspectives, I think. What not to do and what to do. Firstly, what not to do. Don't be like the bad soils. Kind of obvious, isn't it? Particularly the rocky and weedy soils. The rocky soil. Notice that the seeds in the rocky soil, there's a couple of lessons we sorry, we can learn from these parables. Notice that the seeds in the rocky soil are unable to flourish and withstand the oppression, the opposition they get because they have shallow roots. This remains true, doesn't it? Weak and shallow gospel roots will not prepare us for suffering and hardship as they come. We will face troubles and stresses in life. And so we need deep foundations in God and his word so that we can weather them. We need to grow deep foundations. While it is a simple faith that saves, don't be satisfied with a simple understanding of God's word. We need to dig deep work out what it says about life, puzzle through the bits that we find tricky or confusing, particularly if they're about how we live as Christians in this life. Are there questions that have been raised when you've spent time in God's word? Or maybe something's happened in life and it's made you question things? Don't just let it pass by. It's so easy to just go, ah, don't get it, move on to the next thing. Don't let that happen. Invest the time. Build some deep roots. Read a book, listen to some talks, speak with others. We need to have deep gospel roots. The second is the weedy soil. The temptations of the world are just as enticing to us as they were in Jesus' day. And the desires that we have and the concerns that we have about worldly things can lead us, lead people, to give up on Jesus. Death by a thousand distractions. So be forewarned about the danger of those things and be get forearmed. We need to fight against these weeds. Listen to God's word and be reminded of the fleeting nature of what our world offers and the false promises it makes. And so adjust your priorities accordingly. The start of the year is here and all the things are kind of kicking off all the activities that we get involved with. Don't let them distract you from what the main game is. Maybe you could read through, have a flip through Ecclesiastes, which unmasks many of those things that we put our effort into striving after. Or there's the book um, Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller, where he shows that he uses examples of money, sex and power 
and the way that they offer just empty promises. Ways that we can unmask all these enticing things from the world that we might keep the main game the main game. The gospel game. We need to fight against the weeds of the world. The parable also reveals what the positive response is, what we should do, which is to be like the good soil, isn't it? And doing what Jesus tells his disciples to do in verse 18, which is listen. The parable shows us three parts of this. Listen, understand and act. Acting in response to what we hear is what brings that harvest of good fruit. It's kind of what we saw when we looked at the letter of James last year. We need to not just be hearing but understanding what Jesus is saying to us. Praying that God would help us in this. And then putting it into practice. That's what bearing gospel fruit looks like. It's nothing revolutionary here, is there? So as we spend time in Matthew and in God's word generally, this is our goal. Actively listening. Seeking a deep understanding. And then living it out in radical gospel lives. Bearing fruit which pleases our Heavenly Father, the sower. And so as we spend time in Matthew listening to Jesus in the parables, and more, time, more generally time in God's word, the question that Jesus leaves us with here is, are we listening? Let's pray that we would be. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and how you reveal yourself and your kingdom in it. We're sorry for the ways that we have ignored you in the past. Please forgive us. Soften our hearts, open our ears, that we might hear the deep spiritual truths that you speak to us in your word. We ask that you would help us to be listening, to be understanding and living in light of your word to us and guard us from having shallow roots and being choked out by worldly weeds. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.